0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Netflix Club Podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Noah. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, a indie flick uh, directed by Macon Blair. But first we're going to talk about Netflix news, so what's coming and going from Netflix in uh, the next week or so. And so, on, available March 23rd on Netflix we have How to Get Away with Murder Season 3. March 24th we have... Botter, Snikes and Gumbles Season 2 Interesting title I don't title. know what that is Probably a kid's show uh, We have Grace and Frankie Season 3 The Netflix original Uh, The Netflix original one About those two ladies I've never watched it Oh yeah The two ladies The two old ladies I don't know It looked kind of funny But I've never watched it uh, And then we have also have In Go- Noble Season 1 Okay And on March 27th We have Better Call Saul Season 2 Which I will be watching Because I need to get Caught up on that show Um, and then we also have, uh, March 21st, we have Evolution, the 2015 film, um, I mean, let skip over here, March 24th, we have Deja Vu, uh, Spider, The Square, um, The Most Hated Woman in America, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, sweet. Um, March twenty sixth, we have Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, the Wes Anderson film.
1: It's a great movie. It is sure. a really
0: good movie. I'm actually super excited to get it that they're getting it on Netflix because I feel like out of all the Wes Anderson films, maybe next to Bottle Rocket, it's like the most like underwatched, hard, underwatched, and like kind of hard to find. Because uh, I was looking, I wanted to watch it over uh, the summer last summer, and it was like thirty dollars for like a used copy on Amazon wow I was like ah well guess I'll but I ended up borrowing it for somebody but it is really good really solid Wes Anderson movie um, really solid film in general really good aesthetic and what's leaving there's actually since we're winding down to the end of March there's a just a little bit um, March 23rd um, The Invincible Iron Man is leaving um, March 25th um, we have All Stars Pop leaving and The Perfect Wedding March 27th we have Dragon Wolf and that's pretty much it for what is leaving and uh, coming this week. But, so let's uh, so let's jump into I Don't Feel At Home In This World Anymore. So this movie, directed by Macon Blair, it's his directorial debut, um, but he is no uh, newcomer to the film industry. He's worked a lot with Jeremy Solnier, who's done such films like Green Room and Blue Ruin, um, which are fantastic films. So he, he knew what he was doing. He's got a lot of... Um, I don't know if Jeremy Saulnier, he called him his mentor, but he's definitely picked up a lot of tricks from him and he's learned a lot about how to make really good movies. For sure. You can definitely tell that while mm-hmm. watching this. Not a bad thing, though, for sure. And this movie debuted at Sundance, actually, um, and it won the Grand... Uh, what's the exact title? The Grand Jury Prize at Sundance, um, so that's a pretty high honor. And actually... This is before we get into it. It's this actually got its birth at Sundance and not this year, um, but last year, the year pro, uh, the year previously, because um, Macon and Blair met up with Netflix at Sundance and was pitched on the movie, and Netflix was like absolutely, and then they gave him like a ton of control over the movie, and then he just got to make it how he wanted, and he had, you know, almost almost limitless control over this movie which is really good wow puts a lot of faith um netflix puts a lot of faith in its um creator i did i really enjoy i
1: wasn't aware that they were like actively involved with like the production in terms of like giving them money i thought they just bought like the distribution rights to it
0: yeah i kind of thought that too and then i watched yeah he did an interview um at sundance and he talked about all about it and it's super interesting that's really
1: cool makes me uh like netflix a little bit more absolutely like giving uh artists like that, you know, a place to put out their stories and yeah, stuff. Yeah,
0: especially uh, having so much faith in someone, especially someone that's kind of, like I said, it's his directorial debut. It's yeah. his first movie and they're already giving him a whole lot of control with it. Shows that they have a lot of faith in picking people, which I totally agree. Netflix almost never falls short on their originals and stuff like that. They they know how to pick them. Okay, so let's talk about this movie. We'll talk about the uh, story a little bit. So it's basically about this girl Ruth who has her home robbed and she sees this kind of Neglect by the police to do anything about it, so she takes um, takes it into her own hands um, with the help of her neighbor Tony, um, played by Elijah Wood, um, and they kind of try to confront this these people that robbed her house. Uh, meanwhile, she's going through this kind of um, mental emotional lull where she's feeling like, you know, as the title um, states, she doesn't feel at home in the world anymore. She feels like, what's the point of life? Kind of, not in a suicidal way, but, like, nothing Nothing really matters. We're all going to end up dead in the end. People, Everybody's just, like, assholes. Yeah, people can be mean. People can be nice. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. We all end up in the same place. And she, as she says, we all end up as dust. Um, and that's kind of what it goes through. She's going through a lot of stuff. So yeah. this is, like, a big thing in the movie. And it's this is a fantastic movie. Oh, um, for sure, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, And it has this interesting thing. So tonally... Um, it's kind of similar to stuff that Making Blairs worked on before, like we said, the Green Roman, Green. The, wow, I mixed those two up. Green room and Blue Ruin, where it has like really kind of gritty and intense moments, but then it also where it goes away from that is where it's kind of has a, has a more melancholy tone. So you have parts where you're literally laughing out loud because you're like, that's. You know, funny or absurd or whatever and then you have moments where it's tense and you're like what's going to happen next and you're kind of like shocked Um, yeah there's
1: definitely like a lot of shocking almost like horrific moments where you're just
0: like oh that's really messed up and gross Mm -hmm. so I want to go through uh, a little bit some stuff about this movie about about the character kind of Ruth and um, her transformation a little bit so it starts out and she's seeing a lot of crappy stuff she sees that we're going to go into spoilers by the way um, she sees um, this woman's death, um, and she says this like horribly racist slur as she dies. Or like, because she's remark. she's
1: a, a nurse assistant. Yes. Yes. So uh, she like makes up the beds, like helps with patients and stuff, and like uh, gives them medication and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But like as you were saying, like she was like there when a woman died, and she was like watching TV where there was like new stuff going on, and she said like a lot of racial. Uh, slurs and stuff and it was kind of messed up and then she dies and then yeah, yeah it's it's kind of funny in the sense that she's just like what is going on yeah. but like it's really messed up because the old lady like is just saying all this stuff yeah.
0: so there's that there's also she goes to the store and there's people just knocking stuff off the shelf and not picking it up um, there's people that cut in line in front of her at the store um, the guy walks up to her at the bar, Who is actually, the guy that walked up to her was the director of the movie, Macon Blair. Really? Yeah. Um, but she, the guy walked up to her and just spoils the book that she's reading, just like totally nonchalantly. Which is
1: the worst thing in the world. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Never do that. And then she sees that the cops don't care, and then people, she kind of sees that people always want to make it seem like their situation is always worse than whatever your problem is um and then the call probably the best example of that is when she's at the station with detective ben Dix, played by uh, i'm gonna butcher i'm gonna mess up his name i think it's gary williams yeah he
1: was in the second ninja turtles movie he played either rocksteady or bebop i don't remember and he was
0: that guy and he was also in uh whose line is it anyways i believe really for several episodes oh. um but yeah he's in those things and which I thought it was interesting to see him in here. I didn't expect it. But. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, there's so there's that, and then she kind of gets, when she she gets her house robbed, and she she's you know, like we said that she sees that the police are kind of not you know actively trying to pursue what's happening, even though she's calling. She's like, I know where the computer is. I have. I know who the person is. And then the police are like, Listen, let us do our jobs. Don't get involved. And she's like, Fine. I'm just gonna do this. All right. I'm just gonna confront this person on my own then. Um, And so doing this, she gets mixed up and like almost accidentally, actually I will say accidentally, in like a far more big situation because the people that robbed her ended up being people that are like criminals, violent. They're like like
1: actively robbing a lot of people mm -hmm. and like benefiting from it.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, she's just trying to confront these people who she she thinks just robbed her, like, of her, like, uh, medicine and her computer. And her her grandma's, like, silverware. And little does she know, they're, like, far more violent and scary than that. But she just wants to confront them and be like, hey, don't be an asshole. And then she gets mixed up in this way, this, like, something that's way bigger than that. And I think that um, it's... Her character, this movie would be she's played by Melanie Linsky who's terrific Um, but her character and her development wouldn't be as powerful or interesting if she didn't have Elijah Wood there as well um, uh, with the character of Tony because they kind of create balance for each other in a way Um, so you have Ruth who is um, kind of cynical as we saw like she sees all this crappy stuff and she's like what's the point yeah and she's very glass half empty. And then you have she. Int- she's introduced to Tony, who's this kind of guy who is kind of one, almost one of these people that she sees that's doing this stuff, like knocking stuff off the shelf, and like I don't care. Because when you introduce, when you're introduced to Tony, he his dog has just pooped on her lawn for again, like for seemingly like countless time. Um, and then he's like, ah, whatever, I don't care. Um, he doesn't clean it up or whatever. And so you have that, And then, but you see that he's kind of her balance because he is glass half um, half full. He's always trying to help people. Like when Ruth is walking around the neighborhood trying to f- see if anybody saw the robbers or anything, she goes to his house, and he immediately gets angry even though he doesn't really know Ruth. Um, and he's like freaking out. He's like, this is a, just a travesty for all of us. This is messed up. And then he immediately is like, when she's like, I know where my computer is. Let's go get it. He's like, I'm in 100%. And so he's always like there trying to help her. And so, yeah, like I said, you have that balance. So you have um, Tony kind of bringing this light to Ruth, and then you have Ruth keeping him anchored. Yeah. And there are some really good examples of that. Like we said, like um, how he's the opposite of her, but how they mesh. But uh, like when he when the dog poops on her lawn, or when they're at his house trying to research some stuff, and she sees that he's reading the same book that she read that got spoiled for her, and she's like, "Oh, you're reading this," and he's like, "Yeah, don't spoil it for me." And then you immediately see like oh he's kind of like me but he's also like not like those other people you know yeah and so yeah you have that and I think that also plays really well with um kind of the message of the movie
1: definitely I think so too
0: um so yeah like we'll we'll go back and forth between a few things but like in the end um, you kind of see that uh after everything that goes down everything kind of works out the people that are bad get punished or killed um but they get punished um you see that Ruth gets to confront them. She gets to bring that balance in her life, both with like being an active participant in the things that's going on in the world or in her world. And then you have also with, with Tony. Um, and so I think that the primary message or at least some strong messages are that you, you should resist passivity in your life and, um, And that cynicism is kind of okay. Like, it's okay to be skeptical and look down on things a little bit. But just not all the time. If you have that balance. Um, And so you see that Ruth decides to actively make a difference, and then she creates that balance for herself. So I think that's really interesting. But do you have anything to say about tone or anything like
1: that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, in terms of the message, I thought it was, like, really cool because, you know, you you have her, and she is, like, cynical throughout the entire movie almost, except kind of towards the end, but... Uh, her change in like perspective of the world, perspective of the world is like pretty much due to Tony because mm-hmm. he kind of represents like you know people can do shitty things literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Tony because <laughs> uh, his dog pooped on her lawn. <laughs> uh, but like he kind of represents like you know people aren't you know they aren't all like like the shitty things that they do mm-hmm. aren't all to what that person is you know yeah people you know aren't just. Terrible, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think her meeting him and getting to know him kind of helped her to realize, like, yeah, there is pretty crappy people out there, but the crappy things they do don't necessarily mean that, like, they're entirely a crappy person, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. And also just, like, you know, the world can be really crappy. There could be really crappy people, Mm -hmm. but if you surround yourself with those good people, Mm -hmm. it makes everything kind of worth it in a way, and, like, it helps you get by. And I think that was, like, a really kind of cool message that they, you know, established and kind of, I thought, brought full circle yeah.
0: in the end. I was going to say, kind of going off that, another another message, like you said, they have the whole, like, uh, he has the whole grab life and just, you know, make it your own, be yeah. aggressive with everything you're doing, but then you also have, like, he's saying, like, yeah, it also kind of means nothing in the long... Because, like you said, we all do end up as dust, and I think that's kind of like what weighs on Ruth as a little bit but he's also saying like as a truth he's like yeah kind of nothing matters people do what they want and that can be for the worse or for the better but your life is whatever you make it so it matters to you because you're a part of it just because it doesn't matter to everybody doesn't mean that it's not worth it Yeah. but he's also saying like yeah the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter
1: I guess that like uh, just to go off of that that's also another message in the movie that like maybe like in the cosmical sense nothing does matter maybe but like Subjectively, you know, we ourselves create our own meaning, mm-hmm. and you can see that through Elijah Woods' character. And like in the end, like he kind of helps her, you know, transition to that, you know, mindset. Mm-hmm. And like I think that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and so you have, like we said, you have this transition where she decides to like finally just grab life and just take make it her own. And so you see this change that's almost exactly opposite of actions you saw her you saw her witness in the beginning. Um, so. You see she's in the store and someone knocks some stuff off the shelf and just leaves it there. And yeah. she's like, pick your shit up. Yeah. And then she cuts in someone in line and then she steals the lawn ornament. And you're like, okay, she's like doing the opposite of this. But you also know she's a good person. So, yeah, it kind of goes off what you said that people aren't exactly just the crappy things they do. They're also be good people on the inside. And that's interesting that they, he kind of had almost exactly opposites for a lot of stuff that happened. And so I want to like talk about some influ- some influence that he has on there, especially with like we just had the mel there's like the melancholical tone in
1: terms of uh, Macon Blair the yeah.
0: director. And so you have this melancholical tone where he has like the visceral, we will say violence and that definitely visceral. And then he also has the comedic stuff. And I think that heavy influence, especially comes from uh, his friend Jeremy Sonia, like we said. Like you have this incredibly visceral violent scene that kind of. Almost caps off the film. It's like one of the last scenes of the movie. And you have like, but which ends with um, someone getting their hand blown off, um, a guy getting shot in the throat, um, Tony getting stabbed like a bunch of times, a girl getting a throwing star in the face and getting shot in the head and stuff like that. And then, but sprinkled throughout the film, you also have this kind of visceral, gross violence. Um, like, when Ruth gets her finger broken that was really hard to watch Yeah. Um, when that uh, Chris Jr. gets hit by the bus and also gets his trachea crushed you're like oh goodness um, and so yeah you have that visceral violence but then like we said and Blair also makes it his own he has these comedic stuff he has this new tone but it is very similar to those Jeremy Solnier works that are like kind of crime centered but also and they have this visceral violence but I like how and Blair is like yes I really like those aspects of your films but I want to make this original and make it my own so that's really interesting. For uh, sure. Yeah. And so I also want to talk about so we'll 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 say that this is a fantastic movie. Definitely check it out. It's one of my it's definitely def- Definitely one of my favorite films is definitely up there now. I'm really a big fan of Jeremy Saulnier and Macon Blair um, when they work together, and seeing Macon Blair do this on his own is super awesome. And I was super, I, su- I really enjoyed it.
1: I guess like if you haven't seen the movie, like at this point, you're super spoiling yourself. But yeah, uh, this movie probably isn't for the squeamish because there is some yeah. pretty messed up like you know uh, violence and like yeah. it's practical effects, so like a lot of it looks like it's real mm-hmm. and it's super bloody and gory. So maybe. If uh, if you're not you know into that stuff, I mean who yeah. is? But like you know like if <laughs> I am, yeah,
0: oh yeah, all <laughs>
1: about that gore, uh, good stuff. Uh, no, but like if you're if you're squeamish, you might not want to watch this. I do
0: think it's more approachable. Like I was saying earlier, I think it's more approachable than if you se- if you have seen other Jeremy Saulnier films like Green Room or Blue yeah. Ruin. That violence, I'd say, is, is way more over yeah, the top. Yeah. Definitely. Why not over the top? Way more realistic and scary to see and gruesome. And this one is definitely more approachable because it has um, similar to. Actually, it's kind of almost a parallel between Ruth um, and the film. Like it has this balance where it's like here's some visceral, terrible stuff. Here's some really funny, lighthearted stuff, and you kind of, it, yeah, it's very parallel to Ruth's character, where it's like, here's bad stuff, but also you got to make, you know, light in your life, so I think that's interesting. Yeah, Megan Blair, fantastic film, super excited to see what else he does, I'd really like him to work with Netflix in the future, because it seems like he's just, he knocked it out of the park with this one. Absolutely. Um, so, I also want to talk about, is a film that is a Netflix original that will be coming in 2018, I believe, that is Hold the Dark, which is directed by Jeremy Saulnier, who is honestly what, probably one of my favorite directors of all time. He's definitely, he makes amazing films always. Um, and Jeremy Solonnier is the main director, and also Macon Blair is definitely involved in it. I don't know his exact role. I know he's, also, he's a writer um, a, or a co-writer because it's actually based on a already established work. Um, But he's definitely got a big role. He usually has a uh, larger role, both like acting and also just as a producer on set person. So it's interesting. So it'll be cool to see that. But this Hold the Dark movie, I want to talk a little bit about it. It's going to have Jeffrey Wright, who was in Hunger Games, the Hunger Games series. And he was in uh, most recently Westworld. He was, um, I can't remember his character's name, but he was really, really great performance. And this movie is about... It's adapted from a William uh, Giraldi novel. And I'm going to kind of give the... The gist of it. Yeah, so it is at the start of another pitiless winter. Wolves have taken three children from the remote Alaskan village of Keelot, uh, including the six-year-old son of Medora and Vernon Sloan. Wolf expert Russell Corr is called in to investigate these killings and discovers an unholy truth harbored by Medora before she disappears. When her husband returns home to discover his boy dead and his wife missing, he begins a maniacal pursuit that cuts a bloody swath across the frozen landscape. With the help of a local police detective, Corr attempts to find Medora before her husband does setting in motion a deadly chain of events in this chilling mysterious and completely engaging uh, novel so I think that that is definitely right up Jeremy Saulnier yeah for sure uh, Ali it has this definitely like he, like he even said there's definitely this possibility and potential for this like the violence that he's known for and almost adored for in his like by his hardcore fans I definitely. This is probably one of the reasons I really like his movies is because it's so realistic. Yeah. Um, that like it, the things that happen in the movie
1: are real, and yeah, like the people will get hurt. Like it's not just yes. like you know, oh, I'm gonna get stabbed. I'm okay. It's like no, yeah. like you're you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna be in pain. You're a person, and you're yes. you're not like immortal. That's
0: yeah. What I like uh, something I like about their films, honestly, almost both of their films. Um, Making Blair and Jeremy something that, is that they kind of step away from that mainstream idea that you have to have a invisible yeah, your, your protagonists are invincible, yeah. Which is actually interesting. I feel like maybe Making Blair went a little bit away from that. Um, a little bit in uh, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore because he has Ruth who doesn't he gets into danger but she also kind she of doesn't never necessarily get hurt. get hurt but then you have Tony who does get stabbed a lot but yeah. he ends up living in the end um, so maybe that's kind of his I think that's part of like the melancholy tone like we talked about a few times um, that he's doesn't want it to be exactly like Jeremy Solinier's films but yeah so yeah it's I think that's going to be a really interesting film and that'll be out like we said, 2018 sometime. Looking
1: forward to it, for sure.
0: But yeah, I it would be really, really interesting. I, I'm really a big fan of both of these two workers, like... Workers. Excuse me. Directors. Yeah, directors. And what they do with movies is simply incredible. They Like we said, they always kind of find new ways to step outside the box um, and make something new, make it their own, uh, be innovative. Um, and also, like, you know, in separate ways, but similar, which is why I like them a lot. For sure. So, yeah, any final thoughts on either of these two movies? We kind of had a short episode here, but... No, I think it was a good episode.
1: Uh, This is, like, a really, uh, really good movie, in my opinion. They're, like, the two main actors I thought were really great.
0: Oh, yeah, we should talk about... We should actually maybe... Uh,
1: Just, like, for a hot sec. So, we got, like, Elijah Wood, mostly... Known for his work in the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy mm-hmm. and also briefly in The Hobbit, but you know, like <laughs> that was for, like just for a hot sec. Uh, and then he's done like a ton of like indie movies and like TV shows and stuff like that.
0: Actually, something interesting about Elijah. What I want to interrupt here for a second is that in one of his interviews at Sundance, someone asked I think it was Kevin Smith actually asked him. He's like, you know, you're known for these, uh, mostly for these, you know, Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies, but we've now we see mostly in independent films yeah. and he actually said that it's not because like he's trying to purposely go for independent films but he always goes where the story is good. Yeah. I think that definitely shows for his career.
1: Like I don't think uh, you know off the top of my head that I've seen like a bad like Elijah Wood thing because I think he's consistently chosen like really cool projects to work mm-hmm. on whether it be like this or like say with the, uh, the, the animated short Over the Garden Wall yeah. I think he's like consistently chosen like really good stuff to work on.
0: Yeah, he definitely has a really high batting average with choosing great um, films. Yeah. But then you also have Melanie Linsky, who also was in a Peter Jackson film, and I don't remember the title of that, and I haven't seen it. But I think this is going to probably not where she's mostly known for, but I know her mostly from Two and a Half Men. She was The Neighbor Rose, um, which is obviously an entirely different role from what she is in this movie. But it's nice to see her outside of the box, and she really makes the film. You, you don't see her as, you know— Rose from Two and a Half Men or Melanie Linsky. you definitely see she her. really embodies the character yeah exactly I, honestly I, I don't want to say like Elijah Wood did a bad job by any means oh, but no. I feel like I definitely see saw her more as Ruth um, Elijah than Elijah Wood as his character yeah. they both did tremendous jobs embodying yeah their not characters. to like knock him down but yeah she did a tremendous job as a lead and I'd really like to see her in more things really soon honestly I'd really like to see her work with Macon Blair again they, um, and, and Elijah Wood they really had they seem to have really good chemistry the three of them working together For sure, absolutely. And this movie just really hits solid on all fronts with acting and directing and even music and tone and writing. It's just solid all around.
1: Yeah, I think this is definitely one of the best, like, Netflix original movies that I've watched so far that they put out.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so any final thoughts on uh, either of these things? It's
1: just a great movie. Like, watch it. If you like these, like, kind of, like, intense thriller, almost, like, horrific type movies, but also, like, you know... There's a little comedy, just a little little sprinkle. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll, you'll like this movie. I think it's really good.
0: Absolutely. 10 out of 10, that's what I get. 10 out of 10. It is a great movie. Okay.
1: Uh, but yeah, uh, that's pretty much it for the episode. If you want, you could follow us on Twitter,
0: uh, and we're going to make a Facebook page down the line. Be- <laughs> we keep mentioning every single episode, but it's going to happen eventually. We're going to
1: do it. It'll be cool. Uh, but yeah, if you want, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and the cm-life.com uh, website. Can listen to us on there, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it for the Netflix Club. I'm Noah, and I'm Tom. And we'll see you next time.
0: Emerging from the great dumpster fire that was 2016. Ben Solis and Noah Bashore find themselves ready to take on anything 2017 has to throw at them. Whether it be taxes, George Clooney's nipple suit, or Shia LaBeouf memes, these gentlemen are ready for a super fight. Will Ben ever recover from Birdemic? Will Noah ever grow a real beard? Tune in to the next season of Raving Geeks for all your nerd news and musings from CM Life's premier geek culture podcast. Culture. Guys, if you're liking this podcast and others, always check us out on iTunes or SoundCloud where you can download and listen to us and stream us live. You can also check us out at cm-life.com. Be sure to check out our Facebook and our Twitter for more information on podcasts and other entertainment on campus.